Hey, thanks for joining us here at becomenew.me, where you'll find daily video devotionals from John Orberg, where we're going on a journey to learn more about who we are becoming as we draw closer to God. If this video resonates with you, share with a friend. Otherwise, here's John. This is John Arberg, and we're on a journey towards Advent, looking forward to Jesus, not just remembering Christmas, but to when he's going to come and set everything right. And so it's a journey of radical acceptance. God, I want to live in a posture of openness. I want to be able to uh, receive your acceptance of me, your grace. I want to uh, be in a posture of openness and surrender to whatever it is, the thoughts and the feelings that go through my mind and my body and the suffering that I experience and your will for my life and your calling on me and offer acceptance to other people. And that's what I want to talk about today. I, I want to invite you to think in your mind about that little mat in front of the door of people's homes. Most oftenly, it's a welcome mat. It just says welcome. And that's from an old English word uh, to, to come in, but then uh, well, will is actually has to do with the will. It is uh, a choice, a decision to desire to experience pleasure in another person's coming into my life. And the question is, if I think of the mat that is in front of my face, not my house, my heart, my spirit, what would that say? Does it say welcome to everybody? Am I a radically welcoming person for those who are often rejected? Now, the word that I want to talk about today is kind of the opposite side of that, and it's the word stigma. There's a fascinating book by a sociologist named Irving Goffman written about 60 years ago, and it's simply called Stigma Notes on the Management of Spoiled Identity. He starts with a very poignant letter written to a columnist back in the day, Miss Lonely Hearts. I'm 16 years old now, and I don't know what to do and would appreciate it if you could tell me what to do. When I was a little girl, it was not so bad because I got used to kids on the block making fun of me. But now I would like to have boyfriends like the other girls and go out on Saturday nights, but no boy will take me because I was born without a nose. Although I'm a good dancer and have a nice shape and my father buys me pretty clothes. I sit and look at myself all day and cry. I have a big hole in the middle of my face that scares people, even myself. So I can't blame the boys for not wanting to take me out. My mother loves me, but she cries terrible when she looks at me. What did I do to deserve such a terrible bad fate? Even if I did do some bad things, I didn't do any before I was a year old and I was born this way. I asked Papa and he says he doesn't know, but that maybe I did something in the other world before I was born, or that maybe I was being punished for his sins. I don't believe that because he's a very nice man. Ought I commit suicide? Sincerely yours, desperate. And then the first chapter of the book begins with this description. The Greeks, who were apparently strong on visual aids, originated the term stigma to refer to bodily signs designed to expose something unusual and bad about the moral status of the person. The signs were cut or burnt into the body and advertised that the bearer was a slave, a criminal, or a traitor, 
a blemished person ritually polluted to be avoided especially in public places so that's the notion stigma has to do with our core identity of a person uh, as a human being and a person who has a stigma who is stigmatized is someone who is unwanted uh, Goffman says that those of us who don't carry such a stigma are referred to as normals and that associating with people that are stigmatized can actually threaten the status of a normal. He goes on, when the stranger is present before us, evidence can arise of his possessing an attribute that makes him different from others in the category of persons available for him to be and of a less desirable kind. In the extreme, a person who is quite thoroughly bad or dangerous or weak he is thus reduced in our minds from a whole and usual person to a tainted, discounted one. Such an attribute is a stigma, especially when, it is when its discrediting effect is very extensive. Sometimes it is also called a failing, a shortcoming, a handicap. And another author, Ellen Walker, talks about how basically in our day, there are roughly seven categories that stigmatized people fall into. People can be stigmatized because they have a mental illness, emotional illness, or a physical illness, or a deformity, uh, or because they are addicts or involved in drug use, or a member of the LGBTQ community or sexually stigmatized in some way, or of a particular racial or ethnic group, or impoverished economically, or have a criminal record. Now here's what's amazing. In Jesus' day, in the first century, religious leaders generally understood holiness to involve separating myself from the stigmatized. So lepers, people with physical deformities, uh, people with criminal records, the sexually scandalized. What's amazing about Jesus is he perceived, he understood holiness to be loving those who are stigmatized, being with them, even identifying with them. And so if you think about those seven categories, in every one of them you find examples of Jesus hanging out with them, deliberately associating with them, and often being pretty close to a member of a stigmatized group himself. So uh, people with physical deformities, lepers, the blind, people who were crippled that the religious leaders would want to stay away from, particularly on the Sabbath or around a meal, Jesus invited. And the same for those who were considered to be not in their right mind. We read about Jesus uh, healing such a person and, and people were amazed when they found him clothed and in his right mind. When it comes to drug users, Jesus talks in Luke about how people actually said about him he was a wine-bibber. He was one of those. When it comes to the sexually scandalized prostitutes, the Samaritan woman at the well who'd been married five times, Jesus was amazing in his acceptance hanging out with people that had that stigma. When it came to people who were ethnically others, uh, he hung out with Roman centurions and Samaritans. When it came to the poor, Jesus loved the poor, talked about how he was present in the poor, in the least of these. And of course, Jesus himself was poor. And when it came to criminal records, Jesus died a criminal on the cross. Uh, one last passage from Gottman. 
he talks about there are certain people that kind of deviate from normal society. One such deviation is important here, the kind presented by individuals who are seen as declining voluntarily and openly to accept the social pl place accorded to them and who act irregularly and somewhat rebelliously in connection with our basic institutions, family age grade system, stereotype role division, and so on. These are the disaffiliates. They take their stand on their own and by themselves might be called eccentrics or characters. They identify with the stigmatized. And this was Jesus. And what is maybe most remarkable about him is that he bare in his body, he bore in his body what were called the stigmata. That was the holes in his hands and his feet and his side that showed that he was crucified as a common criminal, regarded as a traitor by Rome, stigmatized by the highest authorities in the greatest religion of his day, Judaism, and the greatest state that the world had ever seen, Rome. He bore that. And what's amazing about Jesus and his followers is that to carry the stigmata, the signs in my body that I have been stigmatized by this world became regarded as the holiest thing that can happen to a human being. In Jesus' day, people who regarded as religious leaders had an unwelcome mat out before people that carried stigma. Jesus drew them to him like a magnet. So now the question is, how about the church in our day? Do the people who bear stigma, emotional and mental illness, uh, physical disabilities, the sexually marginalized, LGBTQ folks, addicts, drug users, people that are racially, ethnically other, people that are desperately poor, people with criminal records. They were drawn to Jesus like he had some giant magnet on them. Why is the church not that way? How's the church doing on this one? Is the church known for being a place where those who carry social stigma say, I've got to be a part of this community? Or have we become like the religious leaders in Jesus' day, kind of respectable, kind of like being amongst our own, don't want to be around those people because then I might share their stigma? So the invitation today now is to have that welcome mat in front of my body, my heart, all day long. Whoever God sends into your life today, whoever you come in contact with, on the phone or even online with an email, texting somebody, whoever you see physically, especially those that the world might regard as stigmatized. God, would you help me radically accept human beings. Could you make me more like Jesus? When I look at people, might I see beyond the stigma? Might I not divide people up into normal and stigmatized, high status and low status, attractive and unattractive, influential and insignificant? God, oh God, give me a heart like Jesus. Let me radically welcome and accept the people the way that you do. That's Jesus. I'll see you next time. 
Hi, more than a video to watch, we hope this is a community you can engage with. So add your voice to the comments. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Instagram, or join our Facebook group, becomenew.me. We'll be posting daily resources and questions for you to engage with. So take a step, get connected. We'll see you next time.